0: He's kind of like the Joe Rogan of the hospitality industry right now. Hospitality, I guess on, a, on the broadest sense, has always given me the sense of uh, comfort and belonging and inspired me to want to provide that to others. And then I think the parallels to the hospitality business, and I think that's where it's so cool to be involved in this business, whether it's in short-term rentals or hotels or yeah. something else, is, is like you get to do this for your job, yeah. right? And, so, yeah. and there's an ability to design these experiences and provide these experiences to help other people feel that way. And so- I think it's important to reconnect with the why, uh, and I think many people get into the hotel business or the hospitality business for that. But when I was spending a decade as a technology provider, I found a lot of times working in the hospitality business meant being in a suburban office park with like low ceilings and fluorescent lights and yeah. cubicles, and you're like you were so removed, you might as well be working for an insurance company or yeah. like yeah. And so you asked about kind of like the why why I started Hospitality Daily is. I wanted to help people, regardless of where they are in the industry, even if you work outside of it, reconnect with what is the joy of hospitality.
1: You're listening to Slick Talk, the hospitality podcast, a podcast for those who are in and around the hospitality industry who love, live, and breathe what they do. You can join us for candid and unscripted conversations with hospitality experts and founders as we go deeper into their personal stories while they're sharing their triumphs and trials that got them to where they are today. I'm your host, Will Slickers, and you're listening to an episode of Slick Talk the Hospitality Podcast. Now, let's begin. All right, Nathan, welcome back to another Minute with Minute segment on Slick Talk. And the question is, since I'm a current customer of Minute, what are some pieces about Minute or the device that I may not know exist already?
2: Mm, Good question. I think the things I tend to show our existing customers most would be that there are thresholds for alerts for quite a bit more than just noise. So for instance, with temperature, we can let you know via an alert if the temperature is higher than you would like or lower than you'd like. Uh, people tend to use that to let them know if the heat's gone out, for instance, uh, before a pipe burst or something much more expensive happens. Beyond that, there's also a quiet hours feature within our settings that sometimes people overlook. So yes, you have a threshold for noise, but now you can set quiet hours timeframe where your tolerance is slightly lower for noise. I have mine set from 10 p.m. To 7 a.m., for instance lastly our newest device is uh, indoor or outdoor accessible so because it's weatherproof you can choose to use it indoors or outdoors and uh, if you're using it indoors you have the ability to use it plugged in or unplugged we get that question a lot Um, so you can charge it and use it wirelessly or if you prefer to leave it plugged in all the time that's
1: fine i love it you heard it here first folks a minute with minute and now back to the episode What's up, Slick Talkers? I am back. And if you are watching the video live version of this episode, then you are going to see a little bit of a different setup. I am not in my apartment and I'm not basically doing anything remotely today. We have our guest in person, and I couldn't be more excited to have Josiah McKenzie with me today. He is the man for hotel operations, and you're probably listening, going like, well, Will, don't you talk about short-term rentals and all this other stuff? But the deep dark secret. If you haven't listened to any old episodes in the past, I was a traditional hotel manager. I actually started with Marriott. So this was an exciting opportunity for us to get in person to chat all things, hotel operations, and then also weaving it in maybe into how anyone who is an operator from short-term rentals to hotels to restaurants can learn and take this and apply this to their business. So Josiah, my friend, it's great to meet you in person. This is epic. I never get to do this. This is amazing, Will. Thanks for
0: making time. And hospitality is one big happy family. So short-term rentals, hotels, wherever our listeners are working or involved in, I feel like we're gonna have some fun jamming here today.
1: Yeah, especially like in person, the vibe's good. You know, life is great. The sun is shining, so. Denver's beautiful. If you haven't
0: visited recently, you gotta visit.
1: Yes, and this isn't my official studio. One day I'll make an official studio here in Denver, but that's for another big revenue day, you know? Josiah, I wanna jump into your story Going from you know front desk, you and I are both front desk guys, and that's exciting for me. I love the front desk. I, I miss it. My view on front desk now has changed a little bit, but I would love to hear kind of your start. Like, what made you get into the hotel world, and then kind of lead us through your journey to where we are today?
0: Sure, uh, front desk is where the magic happens. I think, and and still in many ways today, I. Got started with that role after spending some time in school studying in Ireland, um, okay. and it was in Dublin specifically. And it was the hub of Aer Lingus and Ryanair, which back in the the day had flights around Europe for about five euros. <laughs> and so it, I had little money, but for five euros, it was like, do I get pizza tonight or do I go to Spain? And Spain usually won out, and so. <laughs> I just had a lot of fun traveling around. I stayed at a lot of hostels and got to experience hospitality in that sort of way where I could go to any city where the flight was the cheapest and parachute in and instantly have some new friends in that city. And I just love the community aspect of of hostels and and I still do. But anyway, after that experience wrapped up, I fell in love with the hospitality as a guest and I wanted to see what was it like to work on the other side of the business and get Mm. involved in providing hospitality. So I, I took a role at the front desk of a small property on the California coast. And it was a really good way to practice some of the things that I, I saw as, as kind of fun in hospitality and also learn from some people, both the manager of the property, but also the guests. And yeah. I think that's one of the most exciting parts of hospitality is you meet people from around the world. And I just had a lot of fun in the diversity of folks from where they were coming from, what they were doing, talking to them. And it was such a small property. I had to do everything from check people in to do a little social media to clean rooms yeah. to be a part-time barista. I still make a bad cappuccino. So, <laughs> but I um, I had a lot of fun doing that,
1: and I, I think that's how I uh, got started in the industry. Well, it's it's so cool because uh, how how many rooms was that property? And about twelve. Twelve. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So it was really tiny. Yeah. So you were literally wearing all the hats. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. I remember those. My, my smallest was never 12. It was 72, 77 units, but still had to wear a lot of hats. And for, from your perspective, did you see that as a benefit or a hindrance into your job of guest experience?
0: I think it was a benefit in the sense that you had to kind of jump in the deep end of the pool right away and and figure a lot of stuff out. I think that some of the downside is you miss out on maybe some of the team nature of what hospitality, in providing hospitality can be. Yeah. And so, especially if you're involved in running a larger organization or you're thinking of starting a larger brand or you're an investor with a larger portfolio, it's all about the team, right? Yeah. And you have to do things with and, and through other people. And I think that's something that specific experience didn't provide, but I did like the hands-on nature of it. And I, I think there's still power to staying involved in the front lines, whether you're an investor, whether mm-hmm. you're you know, starting a brand, whether you're in a large hotel company something about being on the front lines. I was talking with a retired hotel professor last week and he actually took a part-time job wow. at the front desk of a hotel just to stay in touch with the magic of the industry. Yeah. And it can be long hours, it can be a lot of work, yeah. but there's something special in seeing people face to face and reconnecting with with why we're doing this.
1: 100%. And do you still talk to any of your past guests or have like any of those relationships that you still kind of like Kindle every now and then from, from the, from the past. I don't, that's okay. a
0: regret. I, if I could do it over, I would, I would try to stay in touch with more people because I think there's a lot of friendships you can make in this business
1: hundred percent. I only ask just cause I, it, it brings like just hearing you talk about it. just brings so many memories of like people like Mr. Rhodes and Mrs. Chardine and be like, Hey, what's up. I remembered like, uh, just so many good moments, but from there, where did, where do you go? So after this property experience, did you move into the tech side? Or did you go back into more operations?
0: Yeah, so I, I've always been a bit of a nerd. So I taught myself to code in high school and was building some software through high school and, and through college. And um, got involved in digital marketing because I, okay. I realized creating software is fun. But unless you sell it, you don't make a lot of money. <laughs> and this of going to be my main gig. So I got involved in digital marketing that way. I opened an agency. And so I had uh, a team of five people where I was helping publishers, retail brands, Others that were thinking about how do we use social media and digital advertising to acquire customers and grow our business. So that was paying my bills at the time. But I was still in love with hospitality. And and to be frank, I I didn't quite know the best way to participate in the industry. And so this was back in 2007, 2008, where blogs were sort of somewhat new and social media, Twitter, Facebook were all kind of new. And so I felt like something was happening and I couldn't quite identify exactly what it was, but the early days of social media felt like the world was changing and I saw things like the power dynamic change where it could be, there used to be in the past, if you treated a guest poorly, they'd just go on and maybe tell a friend, but it didn't have a huge impact on your business. And then obviously the rise of social media and online reviews, it was a whole different world where it actually makes a big difference in the success of your business if you're treating guests well. And so anyway, I I started this blog where I would interview hotel operators and others in the hospitality industry around what they were doing to engage in social media, engage in these new digital channels, and and just tell their story. Yeah. It's sort of the, uh, I don't know what the saying is, the in the land of the the blind, the one-eyed man is king or whatever. Oh, yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. like there, there weren't a lot of folks blogging in hospitality back yeah. then. And it was like partially luck and timing, but ended up over the course of a couple of years building that up to 70,000 monthly readers. And there's a lot of people trying to figure out what's, you know, how do I participate in this and how do I use digital? Yeah. Um, so anyway, all that to say, that was kind of my journey for a couple of years where it was kind of like agency work transitioning into, you know, I would kind of, you know, this is totally self-funded, but I would yeah. I would just kind of write and blog. And, and I found that was um, a really interesting way to learn the industry. And that experience led to a couple speaking opportunities where I had the opportunity to meet the founder of a company called ReviewPro, RJ Friedlander. I was speaking at a conference in Italy and we connected there and I flew to Spain and spent a week with his team. And was fascinated. They were building a software that was capturing guest feedback. And mm. and so it was a really small team at the time, but it kind of felt like this is an opportunity to help more hotels kind of operate in this new world. And, and so that kicked off a, a decade of working in hotel technology. But yeah, it's, it's been a fun journey.
1: Oh, it's so crazy. And it's just, it's so wild because you're, you're talking about blogging and hospitality, right? And like how this was like you can't tell what it is, but there's just a feeling you're like, oh, this maybe there's not a lot of people doing it. This is a good opportunity. It's the same thing. 2017, 2018, not a lot of people podcasting. It was very much like Glenn Hausman and the No Vacancy News Live and then like Hotel Fuel or Hotel Marketing Podcast, which was Fuel. I know they've rebranded now to something else, but there's a few, very few. And now there's a whole world, right? Like, And you have seen that in the blogging world and I've seen that in the podcast space. And to see such a rare opportunity is super, one, unique and rare, as I said, but like also to capitalize on it and just to, to grow something like that. It's, it's impressive. It's not easy, it's hard. So, what did you learn from that digital marketing side of things of bringing that content to the forefront for operators to then going into Review Pro, where now you are helping this company that is building this tech? For the actual property themselves, for the the operators that really do need to figure out how to get in front of the guests and how to handle their you know their relationships.
0: Yeah, totally. I mean, before we go any further, though, hats off to you for being a leader in in podcasting. I think it's it's incredible what you've built here. I think your audience is 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 awesome and just all it feels like there's a whole community learning together. Yeah. Uh, and you're early, and you you made the move. And we were talking before we started yeah. recording around how you just jumped in and you you started doing things. And I think that's awesome to see if you look at the community that you've created, if you look at the podcast network that you've created, the results speak for themselves, oh, right? You. And so I think there's something about just when something's happening, just just get into it. And I, I feel like there's something happening in AI right now that uh, we, yeah. we, could, we might get to. We, but, we definitely uh, get into that. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's really interesting to see these things kind of unfold. But, but to your question of, of you know what was the experience working at a technology company and, and kind of what were the opportunities there? What I found is, working for that company and then a couple of them after that, is the whole venture back technology ecosystem, it actually became a lot more professionalized, I think, in the decade. So I joined this company in 2010, and then you know, in, in, even in that decade, you, you yeah. kind of found there was a typical kind of playbook for how customer success worked and how what are the milestones to get the next round of funding, and it became very yeah. predictable. I think over time I found that predictability lost some of the creativity mm. that mm. I experienced in the early days. The upside, though, and this is true, you know, wherever you are in the hospitality ecosystem, if you, again, like are an investor or you have yeah. a brand, I would encourage you to, our listeners, to, to think about technology companies as potential partners and collaborators, right? Yeah, because 100%. the reality is there's a lot of money in the space, which means for you as, a, as an operator that there could be a lot of innovation that's created, right? A lot of in- innovation, a lot of smart people in these companies. And so viewing, especially the good companies, as as more of thought partners yeah. and ways to co-create solutions as sure. opposed to, I think the old school way of of looking at a lot of participants on that side is, is more of a vendor. And it's yeah. like, oh, yeah. you know, let's check the box here. And, and it's actually a really big difference between the best companies and the ones that are not so good. And and you're yeah. in this world and you've kind of seen yeah. that whole whole uh, gamut, but... Yeah, I think that that was my my experience is like, hey, I was doing this on, you know, kind of on myself, by myself, self-funded, writing, talking to people, but there's a certain amount of skill that technology companies can have. At the same time, you still need to partner with creative people to tell those stories and to 100%. push innovation forward. And I think that's where smart companies are going to be working with you, Will, and with your team because there's only so much you can do I think internally and as somebody, as a marketing leader who is spending these budgets, yeah. there's a lot of constraints that you have. And so I think it's, that's why I talk about like hospitality being a big, happy family. Yeah. You have to collaborate across the ecosystem. And I think for our listeners who are operators or investors, look at both the the technology providers and media creators like yourself as ways, again, co-creators and, and thought leaders to push forward innovation, right? For I sure. don't think great ideas just happen in a vacuum. It happens through a lot of conversations like we're having now. And I think
1: that's, what's cool about what you're building here. Well, it's just a tail off on that. The the biggest thing I've been asked people is like, what's the day to day like? And I'm like, to be honest, it's a lot of talking. It's not even like on a recording. It's a lot of emails. It's a lot of zooms. It's a lot of those conversations and like seeing what you're hearing basically, which is a weird statement to make, but seeing what you're hearing and how it applies to the industry, and I think being able to then get in front of the right people and have those conversations, they're not easy because logistically creative is hard. Logistically creative is hard, and you know that from what you've built, and you you see it because you have your own podcast. You have Hospitality Daily. Then you also have HotelOperations.com, which is an amazing domain. I think I complimented you uh, on that when we first met. It was like, dude, like the domain world of buying like website domains and selling them for profit and I was like man you, if you ever wanted to sell that bad boy like I'm sure you can make some good money from a tech company who's just needs it but um, it's so so cool and you you understand like that whole back end of stuff and it's all conversation it's all collaboration and I think we are seeing that more now I would be curious to know from your standpoint from going to what you're building with your kind of agency work and blogging and writing, to then review Pro to doing what you're doing now, are you seeing one? What happened with everything during COVID? I'm actually kind of curious with you. Was this uh, as big of a scare and shift for you as it was for me, or did you kind of just like we've we've seen something like this before? 2008, you know, not that was as scary or as bad, but financial crisis in any shape or form is always intense. So I'm kind of curious from like a 2020 perspective to where we are today in 2023. Hotels really suffered really suffered I always tell people like I quit my job 2019 right before uh, like December 27 2019 right before 2020 if I stayed as a hotel manager I still wouldn't have probably been kept I would have been furloughed or laid off or something so either way leaving impacted nothing in my career because I would have been one of the first people to go so I'm curious to hear your kind of side of things from the industry standpoint from 2020 to 2023
0: yeah, I mean, there's something to be said for creating your own reality and happening to the world instead of the world happening to you. There's limits to that. Not uh, there's a lot of bad things that happen, but but like you, you took action, right? Yeah. You said, "Hey, this is something I'm passionate about." You you got after it. So I was actually outside of the hospitality industry for a couple of years when COVID okay. hit. I I was working for that company, Review Pro, and then a revenue management company, and then um, transitioned out um, to a real estate investment technology, Juniper Square. That was uh, I started just a couple of weeks before COVID. Wow. And so a big part of our client base was hotel investors. And I got to see the real estate and the investment side of things and still still had exposure to hospitality from a different lens. I gotcha. had have been very much involved yeah. in the marketing, the operations, but I got to see the investment world. And I think so what was... Got
1: see, you got to see a lot. So from like marketing, operations and investing, which is rare for a lot of people, especially if starting on the front desk.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No. And and I think it, it's helpful regardless of where you work in the industry to understand how investment works and because the the money will determine what's possible yeah. to a large extent. And, and so just understanding how investors think about, you know, whether it's investment in the real estate, which is the, the typical thing, or or in the brand, which yeah. happens in some cases, um, and certainly with the large public Marriott's and of the world. But I think what I found through that in most of my network, most of my friends worked in hospitality. So I wasn't directly involved in it. I think on a personal level, though, it opened my eyes to the world can change overnight, yeah. right? And so just you know to that point and you mentioned kind of making moves yourself and, yeah. and and becoming professional and jumping in I think there's the timing is not necessarily ever perfect you know I sure. um, I left my corporate role about a year ago and, yeah. and the economy was good now it's yeah. not great but I <laughs> yeah. believe in you can kind of create your own economy right and I think is if you're creating value for people and, and the, then it matters less what's going on on a global level than the people that you're serving and the value you create for them
1: 100 percent what made you take that leap from corporate like was there a specific moment because i i always love asking this question because i remember my specific moment and like what used to get me through but like i'm always curious to know was you know you're you're in a different situation i know i see you're, you're married and do you have you guys have kids or okay so just just you got a significant other though that's a lot to have responsibility on and to leave a corporate job you know that's uh again that's a lot so i'm kind of curious what was that moment for you
0: i, I would say covid sort of um reframed how I think about risk though, Okay. right? Because I, I think, you know, we, we, there were so many people who were incredible people that yeah. just got laid off or furloughed overnight. Right. And yeah. so it, it kind of dispels a little bit of the notion of, you know, it, it's. The quality of your worker, how good of a worker you are equals job security. So I haven't talked about this on a previous yeah. podcast. I was yeah. actually fired from a role that I got before the last tech company that I worked with and I was crushing our numbers and, yeah. uh, and it just, the job ended and wow. I had to to move on and that that's the first time I I was ever fired and hopefully the last time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it, that and then just shortly after that covid hitting I think it was that one two punch of yeah. just realizing that you know you you kind of got to create the world that you want to live in. And yeah. so so I, I that was that was formative to me I think in terms of making the decision to move it was a difficult one because the company I was at was The best company that i had worked at just phenomenal people great vision yeah but i was so deeply passionate about hospitality and felt that this is the chance to do something here and i think when you have that feeling that you know i had someone tell me that you regret regret more things that you that you don't do versus the things that you do do and so i i think it was a very considered decision i i saved up so that i could you know transition financially i you know, kind of like started doing uh in writing on the side, that kind of thing, and so it wasn't just you know yeah. <laughs> jump out of the plane yeah, yeah, with no yeah. parachute. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. any sort of transition is a it takes a certain amount of uh, definitely you know a leap, right? Yeah.
1: Well, and that's something that, like a lot of maybe entrepreneurs don't talk about, and I think you know it's that financial piece where it's like, okay, you you tell people you're quitting. Like my mom, I'll use her as an example. She was so proud I became a hotel manager, right? And I was. I was getting the, the big check and this, this, and that. And it was like, I told her to I was quitting to go do a podcast. And she didn't want to understand what the hell a podcast is. Still probably doesn't today. Sorry, mom, if you're listening. But um, then also, two goes, you know, how are you going to support yourself? Like, where's the money in this? And I had to explain to her, I was like, mom, in one month, I made three times my salary. So, or like not my salary in a year, but my salary in a month. And, you know, I can cut my living costs, which I was very much like ordering out every meal. And, you know, like it was, you know, being very spendy. That was very spendy. But you can cut a lot of that. You can be frugal. You could save, you can, you know, cut back your expenses and then plan. And then of course, as you know, as a entrepreneur going into your own thing, you know, securing future revenue is always, you're always six months ahead. If you're not, then it's kind of a, what are we doing tomorrow? So I'm curious for from a financial, maybe not a financial perspective on numbers, but just when you're when you're getting into that zone to prepare for yourself, what's kind of like, you know, I've heard Mark Cuban talk about, you know, if you can't have nine 90 days worth of, of finances and other stuff like that, then you should think about continue to save and whatever. What was that kind of like threshold? Did you have that safety net for yourself where you were like, OK, I want to get to that point?
0: Yeah, I mean I think the it, it probably the specific amount or the runway that you need probably yeah. varies a little bit. Yeah. But um I, I think those guidelines are more about I think what they're trying to get at is is where do you have some level of comfort mm. that it's okay if things don't go perfectly. Yeah. And I think I'm a very optimistic person. And <laughs> that's actually not a good thing when you're <laughs> yeah. when you're an entrepreneur, you need to be pretty pessimistic. <laughs> and so you have to be a blend. You need to be For optimistic, sure. I think, and you also need to protect against the downside. Yeah. And so what's interesting is I, I feel like talking to some other folks that have made that jump is they're actually not risk takers. They're they're actually like very conservative. Yeah. And it almost and I feel this way. I almost feel more stable doing my own thing. Yeah. That's not going to be true for everybody listening to this. I, I think there's maybe a message for folks listening is just think about kind of what do you really want out of life yeah. and and how do you like work towards that right and uh, i think for you and i that that ended up being getting yeah. in, more involved in the media business and, <laughs> and for others it could look totally different you know sure. but you just you don't want to wake up every day and just feel hey i feel stuck or i am being drained even though the work isn't that exhausting yeah. i think that's where that's where burnout comes from i think a lot is yeah. i i've bumped into burnout i think a few different times where the work wasn't that demanding but if yeah. you just feel a fundamental mismatch between how you're spending your time and what you're passionate about um it may be time to take a look at that and see if something needs to change
1: 100 for you now as you've been over about a year or over a year as you said doing your own thing financially just like taking care of yourself your family and building what you're building. And I want to kind of go into the day-to-day of what your job looks like now, like what, and I hate the word job, but you know what I'm saying for that. But also just kind of going into burnout, what kind of outside of being fulfilled in what you're building, do you have anything that kind of helps you regulate yourself when you maybe are feeling, cause this is a, there's those lines or sayings of people saying like, Oh, I quit my nine to five to work at 24 seven, which can be a little extreme, but like if you are, you and I are very similar, you know, the mental capacity of what you're doing and spending on the business is way more than a normal job. So, curious how do you regulate burnout and then also what does a day-to-day look like now what are you building exactly just so the audience who is watching or listening can then go you know correlate you know like we've talked about media we've talked about all the stuff i want to kind of hear what what the back end of hoteloperations.com looks like and hospitality daily and what you're kind of really achieving right now
0: yeah so i'm glad we're having this conversation because burnout's real and i think people um we talked about the pandemic a lot of people went through things that i didn't Experience myself where, you know, there was short staff and you know, angry guests and a lot of tremendous stressors. Lack of resources. um, (laughs) Lack of resources just across the board, incredibly stressful. And so that that wasn't my experience during COVID, but I think I have felt burnt out in other times, and, and especially and sometimes people always talk about stuff that happened a couple of years ago and it feels safe. But yeah, I'll be honest with you. You know, a couple weeks ago, I was feeling extremely burned out and I actually stopped. I have this daily podcast, I, yeah. I stopped cold for three weeks or so, yeah. just just no, no, no announcement. Just like I just stopped doing it, and I I felt like I was at the verge of I wasn't quite burnt out, but I, I felt close to it because it felt like everything. Uh, I lost all the joy in, mm. in what I was doing yeah. and, you know, sometimes you got to be professional and show up and, but if you're doing something kind of for the fun of it, you lose all the joy of it and it starts feeling like a job. Yep. And the big thing for me was where it was starting to get into other things that were important to me. Right. Mm. And so it was, you know, cutting down on time with my wife, with my friends and that stuff's important to me. So I think, you know, to, to your point of like, what are, what helps kind of you know, modulate against that? I think, um, I mean, exercise has just always been like, yeah. try to go, try to move in the morning, go for a run or something like that. And mm-hmm. so that's been helpful, but also creating some boundaries around yourself if possible. So yeah. uh, as as best I can after, you know, after five or six, it's just disconnect. I'm I'm an early bird, so I usually get after pretty early, but yeah. I need to have like a hard cut off. And then also have, try to have like a 24 hour, um, like digital detox over the weekend. And sometimes that's Saturday, sometimes it's Sunday, yeah. but, but just like, Man, we're, we're like our world is so dialed in at, at yeah. every second, and I think I I probably mm-hmm. uh, uh, what's what's that like dystopian TV sh- series The Black Mirror or something? Oh yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I I feel like I'm like that on like LinkedIn or whatever, and I'm just like scrolling, <laughs> and yeah. just like you can just get lost in that. And so I need to reconnect with people But I think in in terms of fighting burnout, so I just took a cold break, uh, just a cold stop, and then I what what got me back in the game was thinking about you know why am I doing this? Yeah. You know, it, and what what is this all about? And for me, all of the beautiful things of my life have really been a function of hospitality, mm-hmm. on a personal level. Where I've moved 20-some times uh, my life, so I've always been in new cities, and there's always been folks there who will have me over for lunch or yeah, you know, a dinner or barbecue or something like that. When I was out of school and was living in San Francisco, my aunt and uncle would have me over for the weekend. They lived in the South Bay, and just spend time with them. And I've always that hospitality, I guess, on, a, on the broadest sense, has always given me the sense of uh, comfort and belonging and inspired me to want to provide that to others. And then I think the parallels to the hospitality business, and I think that's where it's so cool to be involved in this business, whether it's in short-term rentals or hotels or yeah. something else, is, is like, you get to do this for your job, yeah. right? And, so, yeah. and there's an ability to design these experiences and provide these experiences to help other people feel that way. And so I think it's important to reconnect with the why. Uh, and I think many people get into the hotel business or the hospitality business for that. But when I was spending a decade as a technology provider, I found a lot of times working in the hospitality business meant being in a suburban office park with like low ceilings and fluorescent lights and yeah. cubicles. And you're like, you were so removed. You might as well be working for an insurance company. or yeah. like yeah. And so you asked about kind of like the why. Why I started Hospitality Daily is, I wanted to help people, regardless of where they are in the industry, even if you work outside of it, reconnect with what is the joy of hospitality. And so basically, I go talk to people and say, you know, what are you doing to delight your team, or delight a guest, or delight somebody in your neighborhood, and ask for a very specific story every day. Just like it's like three to five minutes, just a story, because I think there's um, if we don't stay in touch with that, we can burn out. We can kind of lose sight of why we're even in the business. So to your question, like, why am I doing it? it? that's why I'm doing it. And then Hotel Operations is trying to, what I'm doing there is building a library and of guides and research to help people run effective hotels. I think across the all the areas I worked in, the hospitality business operations feels like it's the one point that has the biggest opportunity to unlock fun parts of hospitality, but also value as an investor, Yeah. right? If you 100%. can dial those expenses down, if you can increase guest satisfaction, you can charge those rates, like that's where you make the money. Yeah. So it kind of felt like it was hitting the trifecta of making money making people happy and uh, doing well as a business.
1: All right, Slick Talkers, now for another dynamic sponsored duo of the podcast. I would love to introduce you to Ventory and Safely. About Ventory, we've had Brooke Fotz on the podcast, who is a founder multiple times, and him and his team know numbers. They know data and they know marketing. They know how to help property managers just like you scale and grow their business by adding more inventory, a.k.a. more homes, into your rental program that drive the bottom line. For all of you listeners that want to learn how to scale and grow your inventory, you can get a free digital copy of Brooke's book called From Zero to 500 Properties in Five Years. And for an added bonus, if you would do a demo of the Ventory platform, you'll get a $50 gift card to Amazon. Now that's a sick deal. And now to touch on our friends at safely.com. Safely.com helps property managers just like you and I protecting the homes that they manage from structural damage to content damage and, of course, bodily injury. This means plates, linens, cups, couches, tables, curtains, walls, and, of course, your guests themselves are protected. And this helps you by scaling your company in order to ensure that you are retaining owners and inventory in your program. If anything is broken or if anyone is hurt, you are able to make a claim through Safely, and within three business days, you can get instantly paid out to replace any items and settle any claims that happen on site without having to deduct from your owner's payouts. That's why I call these guys the dynamic sponsor duo. And thank you so much for tuning into the podcast. Check out their offers in the show notes and back to the episode. And a lot of people hear, oh, dialing expenses down and think automatically cheap, lack of service, this and that. I think of efficiency, right? So operations And this was a fun conversation I had back in the day with Stuart Butler, who was one of the co-hosts of the hotel marketing, not marketing school, but hotel marketing podcast and going into how operations and marketing actually align together a lot more than you would expect. And not in the sense of like you need to have your front desk agents making TikToks and doing all this stuff and like becoming this marketing machine, but in the sense of how can you be efficient in your operations and how can marketing then apply operational standards and back-end stuff to their message to your guests to your investors to owners to teams and cultures you know that whole part is where i just i just wanted to call that out because a lot of people think of operations as like oh dialing expenses and it's like no it's all about efficiency and and making the most use out of your time so i'm following this up with a question for you from your research the studies the stuff that you've been putting out on the, the site and with your business have you seen a difference in operations within the last 12 months where people are focusing on one conversation 12 months ago to where they are today now focusing on a new conversation at all? Is there anything that you see kind of correlating there? I think it's what you
0: you just spoke to. It's how marketing and operations are maybe sort of one and the same thing. Mm. and. I saw evidence of that before. I, I think for, for those listening, you, you can look up people like Adele Gutman, who used to run yeah. you know, marketing and revenue at, at the library collection in New York and is always sitting at the top of the TripAdvisor ratings. And she's working in revenue and in marketing, but she spent so much time in the operations with her general manager. She'd get them together, created a Google Doc where people would share things they did to delight guests. And it was just one big ecosystem. And I You know, I I saw that, and then more recently I talked to Tamara Mims, who runs the uh, collection called Four Sisters Inns in California, and she started out in marketing, now she's CEO of the company, and she's laser-focused on operations, but she comes from this marketing background. So you kind of see it's like it's one big ecosystem. I think the industry at large, especially on the hotel side, just really challenged with finding staff. That's been a challenge for a couple of years now, and so it's, it's thinking about, okay, where does technology come in to streamline some of the things that... You just don't need a person to go through and uh, manually yeah. check something and speed yeah. it up. And I think why many of us are in the business is to provide uh, great service and great engagement, you know, face to face. And so if I'm, you know, the typical example of like heads down at a front desk check-in and like it just yeah. it kind of defeats the purpose. And 100%. it's an opportunity for technology to to pick up some of that workload.
1: I love your your thoughts on this. So, um, one shout out to the the team at Muse. I, I love how Richard uh, Walter is. Had this, you know, hospitality kind of just super philosophical type of thinking behind our industry. And one of the conversations I remember having with him was going into how front desk actually should not be front desk. Front desk should be kind of like a concierge, personal assistant type route where get rid of the desk itself, no keys, no credit card system. Why am I giving you a credit card again when I already? booked with the credit card that I wanted to pay with anyways, like that type of concept and thinking, but more of like, I always envision kind of a Verizon wireless experience, right? Where you walk into the Verizon wireless store, you're greeted, they have an iPad, they pull up your account, great, they talk about the phones or the iPad or whatever you want to get, you're never behind a lined up desk. What are your thoughts? (laughs) There's a lot of potential there, and I think uh, the Verizon's a good example because reality
0: is sometimes we spend so much time looking at competitors in the industry. Yeah. That's not what guests are looking at. They're looking at Verizon. They're looking at Whole Foods where I'm paying with scanning my palm. Yeah. It's like all this kind of stuff, right? And that's the expectation. And I think what you mentioned makes a lot of sense to me. I was talking yesterday with someone from the Netherlands, uh, from this, this brand called Zoku, which yeah. is sort of a hybrid apartment, co-working, hotel kind of concept. And their whole staffing philosophy is very much what you said. And, and I think they call their staff sidekicks or something like that. Sweet. But it's interesting because... What they said, in addition to all the benefits that you mentioned, they said by operating in that model, it also adjusts the sort of power dynamic with between guests and staff. Where yeah. sometimes I talk to people in the hesitation of going into the industry as saying, "Hey, there's this very kind of service sort of relationship," but but like in a in a negative sense, like yeah. I'm like your servant. And I think there's a distinction between serving someone and being like a servant. <laughs> yeah. You know, and and so anyway, the, this this whole kind of notion of of sidekicks that Zoku's talking about was it, it interested me and I'm yeah. like that it just kind of probably creates a fun casual vibe like I want to sure. go check out their property but I think there's a way to do it where you know it's probably a lot more fun to work there yeah. it's probably better as a as a guest and I feel like across the like the whole you know all the participants it's probably good, better for everybody
1: 100 and it immediately makes me think of you know sidekicks going into uh, Ritz Carlton's kind of old saying of ladies and gentlemen serving ladies and gentlemen. And how like, you know, they would use that as a sense of if the guests are being rude and disrespectful to staff, they have the right to say, ma'am, sir, I'm a lady or a gentleman serving ladies and gentlemen. So please treat me as such. We will take care of you, but we need you to kind of have that tone and appropriate approach rather than just this like you're here to serve me, fix my stuff, you're a peasant, you're the scum of the earth, whatever it might be. Um, which I've experienced as a front desk. I'm sure you probably have too. Where no matter how much you try, you can't please everybody. And then also, how cool of a sidekick like title to then tell your friends and family, like, "What do you do for work?" And you're like, "Oh, I'm a hotel sidekick." Like that's such a, a story you have the opportunity to to explore.
0: It changes the the narrative immediately, yeah. right? You almost by like changing the language, you change yeah. the way that I'm. I'm thinking about it. Yeah, and and I, I think the Ritz-Carlton example is a a good one though because it's it's in hospitality we're we're creating brands right and yeah. so there's these expectations. But I think another one our, our listeners might enjoy checking out is is Revival in Baltimore. It's it's a okay. new place. I don't know if you've come across them, but I I talked to Dante and, and Jason on their team uh, last week, and I, I'm obsessed with this place. So their whole thing is they'll have their staff and just just kind of like you know hoodies or just whatever yeah. whatever they're wearing and. Their thesis is that guests are really intuitive of who works in a place. Plus, it's like things, if you have an earpiece and you're by the door, you're probably yeah, working better. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway, they, they, they said that it's created this really kind of cool culture and vibe at the place where they're able to attract cool people. The guests love it. And so, you know, in, in, in their view, it's the industry's really ripe for disruption. You yeah. know, whether it's, it's dress codes or it's, you know, the use of technology. This is the time to, to start thinking about you know, if it was a startup, what, what would we do if yeah. we we're starting from scratch? Blank slate.
1: Yeah. How can we work or we work this? Uh, you know, like how can we take a co-working space and make it sound like it's heaven? I, I just, I've been obsessed with the whole we work story and Adam Newman and how they've, you know, really went from a co-working office that should not have gone public, in my opinion, if you, you take any other co-working space, especially the one that we're in, makes no sense to me. But, you know, taking that mentality of like, we're reimagining space. We're reimagining how people experience life in general from work, which is a lot of our time. Uh, so the, taking that concept and applying it to hotels or short-term rentals or glamping restaurants experiences. I love that speakeasies are, are becoming a thing again. Uh, I've been searching them everywhere I go because it's just such a cool, memorable experience. And I think it's it changes the traditional, oh, I'm just going out on a date or I'm going to dinner with a colleague, but it's like, oh, no, we're meeting up at this place and we have a code word or we have a little passcode we have to type in. Like, you know, just experience in general, I think the rethinking or reimagining of how can we apply this? Because everyone, like you said, people now know of Airbnb as click, click, book. Like, I don't have to give all of this long information. I don't have to do this. And I just, Amazon is a great example for that too. You know, swipe, buy now, that's it. Like one and done, easy one and, one done. and done. Yeah,
0: yeah. but I, I love your your example of, of you know kind of uh, speakeasies or, or or things like that. We need more vision in in, in the industry around you know what things could be. Yeah. And in my experience, and I'd be curious what what your take or what our listeners are, are thinking about this. But a lot of great ideas and vision comes or you get clarity on it from hearing other people talk. And that's yeah. why I think everyone should be listening to the show. If you're listening to it as a one-off <laughs> episode, you got to hit that subscribe button, hit that like button, share with your friends. He's promoting because... the show better than I am. <laughs> because there's something about jumping on these episodes, hearing you guys jam, jam around kind of what's what's new and what's happening. Yeah. And maybe you like it, maybe you don't, but that, that's fine. It's kind of not the point. The point is that it gives you some reference points, and then you can be like, okay, well, I noticed this over here, and what if I combined it with this idea? Right. And so I think that's where we should just always be educating ourselves. You think about kind of standout performers in any field. They know the industry from who's making moves, but they they just spend a lot of time talking to people. And the awesome thing about podcasts is you can listen in on these conversations and be on the fly on the wall of some of the cool people you talk with. It's, It's amazing.
1: No, this has actually been one of my favorite episodes. I just think the in-person aspect really adds to that. And, you know, thank you for all the kind words and, sh- you know, shouting out the show and stuff. But it's just I think there is a powerful like I I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this, actually, because, you know, no traditional schooling for me, at least in the sense of college or hospitality training. I didn't go to a hospitality school or anything like that. And I have felt recently, and I was sharing this with uh, my business coach where it's like, my business coach is great because he's helping me get to end goal, right? Like end goal is X, right? But my peers, my colleagues, my partners, the so people I work with on a day-to-day basis, we are all in it together at the same level with that X goal in mind. And so we actually learned, I learn a lot more through conversations like this and conversations with my coworkers and my colleagues and my team way more than actually probably learn. And I told my business coach, I'm like, hey, you're great, but I'm actually learning a lot more from my peers in the sense of we're in it together. You know, we have that synergy of bouncing ideas off of each other rather than seeing someone who has been at X and has had success, which is great because they can have a, a roadmap in some shape or form, but building a roadmap together with people that are like-minded, that are driven and passionate and smart and creative seems to add a lot more to my ability to... Get to X rather than not.
0: Well, in the world's moving so quickly. I think this is this is the reality of you know we a lot of us have been kind of thinking about, impressed by, terrified by looking at AI yeah, over the yeah, past yeah. Uh, let's, you let's know go, a couple. Let's go down this <laughs> rabbit hole. I'm excited. But I mean, yeah, we we can go to it as much as you want. But I yeah. think the um, like the thing is, innovation's happening on the pace of of days and weeks. It's yeah. not like quarters or years like it used to be. Yeah. And so it's kind of like if you're just waiting for some you know official textbook to come out or something it's 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 long gone the Good opportunities luck. are happening right now yeah and i think you create innovation and interesting things by yeah like you said talking to people who are in it who are building things who are doing things yeah right and so I, again the podcasts are cool because as we're you know as i'm getting groceries or whatever i'll be listening to to something and then, but I, I think you do gotta find some people that are in whatever game you're in, yeah, and kind of have whether it's a you know a text thread or whatever it is, yep. just kind of some folks that you can bounce ideas off of and, and keep building and iterating. You gotta put stuff out, but to come up with the ideas, you gotta have some inspiration.
1: Yeah, hundred percent. Who's been the biggest inspiration for you lately? Man, it's it's so hard to, to choose
0: one. I'm I'm so inspired by the people I talk with. Honestly, if nobody ever listened to my podcast, <laughs> I think I would uh, I would do it just just for the chance to to yeah. jam with people. And, and and so I feel grateful uh, for that. I think the the guys at at the Revival Hotel is is the past week. I just can't stop thinking about what they're doing. Is, is is amazing. I also think it's kind of cool to to kind of engage with stuff outside the hospitality industry. I think you got to do both. You got to be dialed into people who are doing stuff in the space. But I came across, I'm always looking for new podcasts, and, and I um, Guy Raz uh, just yeah. started, has a new kind of show with, uh, I forget the exact title, something about creators, but he has like, he had like Tom Hanks on, and yeah. they just kind of talk about performing and creating environments and things like that. It's kind of cool. Sure. And then there's a pod called The, the Creative Pep Talk by okay. a guy named Andy Pizza. Which pizza, official, that's I don't so know if that cool. is legal name. It's definitely a stage name. <laughs> but, you know, you got to have the whole gamut, right? Yeah. Like Stay plugged into the hospitality world and also have you know a few stuff out there where you're kind of getting inspiration from outside it as well.
1: 100%. I couldn't agree more. Uh, it's so hard. We push like 40 episodes a week, I think, within our network. And so everyone's like, what's your favorite? I'm like, actually don't listen to all of them. I can't. It's impossible legally and mentally and physically and all that stuff. But also like trying to hear outside what other networks are doing or other creatives that have made it pretty far. It's always good to like tap into outside because you don't want to get too bubbled into your own world, right? Like I think it's it's important. Like I, I love what you said earlier, way earlier in the episode, going into like your own economies, right? Like how you don't have like the greater world economy doesn't actually have to affect your your personal side. Uh, granted, there is some kind of ripple, but you know, being able to do your own thing is great, but not to get too like closed off and minded from it. Um, because then you won't probably be able to adapt as quick
0: a lot of so. a lot of beautiful things happen, I think, out of difficult economic environments. And everybody is, you know, ha- has a different setup. I um got out of college right in the depths of the great financial crisis. you know, but I, I was fortunate because I, I got to live with my parents, and yeah. not everybody has that, you know option, but I lived with them for a while and and you know, I was building some of these internet businesses. and um, you know, so we're we're may or may not be going through something else right now. Yeah. And, I, I think the, I, I'm in no way downplaying the, a lot of people do get hit with a lot of external stuff, but I guess my message is thinking about kind of like, what is some way that you can be kind of proactive about your reality for sure, and like take control of what is within your control because that's all you got, right?
1: Yeah, 100%. 100%. <laughs> you can only control what you can control and that's right. usually yourself and how you handle and react and yeah, yeah. I love that. Yeah, I'm curious to know. Maybe we do this like as a part two or a bonus segment at the end of the episode because I think we're coming up on on normal time here. But I would love to kind of give us high take AI, hospitality in general, hotels, restaurants, short term rentals. Where do you think it's going? Where do you think we're at today? So uh, this
0: this I'll try to keep it high level. I (laughs) I actually a couple months ago I I set out to write it like a quick blog post and, and do it in an afternoon. And I ended up spending about three months. I read oh, about a dozen books. I talked to over 30 people, AI scientists, and then I wrote a big guide on AI and hospitality. You can find on hoteloperations.com. But something's happening here. And yeah. it, it's it's really interesting. I think as you know, we're we're creating content, we're we're putting stories out there. And I think people's first impression is always like, well, you got chat GDP, just throw yeah, something yeah. in there. And, it's uh, the easiest one we all can think yeah, of. Right? Yeah, yeah, and and uh, the the reality is a lot more complex. I, if I had to summarize kind of my experiences overall with the asterisk that this whole space is changing quickly. Yeah, you know, what we talked about overall, there's a couple of things for people to know. One is AI has been a part of hospitality for um, at least a decade. And you had a prior episode, maybe we could link to it in the show notes that yeah. we had some you know guests talk about this it was very down into the space. It was a fantastic episode. Yeah. actually yeah, two episodes. Uh, right. uh,
1: Evan Dalgo and, yeah. and Braden, yeah
0: yeah. yeah, 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 So you guys did the deep dive, so people yeah. should go check that one out. But like you know, whether it's in revenue management or other aspects of hospitality, we've been using machine learning and, yep. and you know aspects of artificial intelligence. I think kind of the most helpful definition of AI that I found was was it, it, it's simply the kind of letting com- computers do uh, tasks that that humans would do in a more you know kind of like automated, yeah. uh, math dr- driven fashion. And so. I think when we see something like chat gtp essentially it's it's solving a complex math problem and it's guessing at the next best word. Yeah. I think uh, if you don't understand the technology behind it, it can look a little bit like magic, and <laughs> you know there's this you know sent like conscious being behind, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. you know. Yeah. And um, and it's gotten a lot better and it's getting better quickly. But what I noticed, even as a writer, when you type in prompts about things you don't know, you can get impressed. If you type in areas that you have deep expertise. You can see it's very flawed yeah. in many cases and so it's kind of a warning that okay let's be careful about just trusting it at face value for sure i think in our world of creating things it's been useful for brainstorming and like even as i was writing this ai article i i kind of was asking like what are the uses of ai yeah. and it took me on this whole journey around s- sustainability in wow. in ways that were that i then validated with experts in energy and smart buildings but it it just caused me to think about something that wasn't initially. So, you know, my writing process for fifteen some years now has always included a ton of research, a lot of going to Google. Yeah. Like th- yeah. in essence, it's kind of like becoming another tool in that toolbox. So it's not magically wow. changing things. I think we're going to see. You know, sustainability was really interesting. You know, minimizing waste was an interesting mm-hmm. use case. Revenue management has been using AI for a long time, so that's not uh, yeah. that's not necessarily new. But I think in terms of coming up with better ways to serve guests is something that I'm still learning about. And I've asked a lot of people about this. I was talking with a innovation manager at a major Vegas resorts company, and they were finding that they did extensive testing with AI chatbots, but they're saying that what their guests appreciated the most was their service agents in the call center using AI kind of behind the scenes. And they're saying like, you want to be on these dates and we can see on your profile that you like this type of cuisine and, oh, we have this show over here, but they were, um, it was a, a human-to-human conversation, For but sure. they had all this stuff kind of populated because they had interconnected databases. Yep. And so, and I think your prior guest had talked a little bit. of It's like AI is not going to beat you. It's like a human with AI will beat yeah. you. Yeah. And I think that that resorts executive so, was it kind of like underscored that that point. I was like, okay, yeah. I, I see where this is going. <laughs>
1: yeah. No, that's a, that's a great point because they mentioned Booking. dot com and Amazon and all these companies using AI at that extreme level way longer than AI has been a topic, really and i i think you know i would love i I think the more that it can help us have that easy access to being able to anticipate a guest needs like that where it's like hey i'm communicating with josiah he's coming to vegas and i see that one he has this allergy two he's here because he has family but then also i know there's a conference in town which is just a couple blocks down the road let me schedule him a car for the morning so he can go to the conference and beat the traffic and not have to pay for an Uber or something like that. Like being able to be like, boom, Hey, Mr. McKenzie, here you go. And you're just like, Whoa, okay. That in itself is a very powerful tool. And that's when I, or you as a guest have that human connection, that human moment of, I love this hotel. I love that guest agent. Like they have taken care of me. I'm going to take care of them. And then that ripple effect of relationships happens. And then you become a raving fan. You tell your friends, your mom, your dad, your sister, whatever. And then all of a sudden now everyone has that thought of, oh, if I go to Vegas, I should stay at that hotel. And yeah, anyways, going on a very deep rabbit hole. But there's so many applications for that ease of use. So I love that. I love it. Okay. Desai, I gave you a warning about this. We have every guest before the guest that I record with, ask you a question without me telling them who you are. So the guest before you was Rose Tipka. She has a vacation rental management company with her family. She's got six kids, was a stay at home mom. Now she has a whole family, her husband, her kids, all involved in the business and they're building and buying their own homes. They're not actually managing great, awesome person. She's awesome. Um, Her question to you was, are you what you thought you'd be when you were 10 years old? Wow. What a great question.
0: And first off, I am a little jealous. So I have five siblings, a family of six. Yes. I'm a little jealous that I was not in that business as a kid. I feel like it would have been a lot of fun. So hats off to them for for just doing something cool there. When I was 10, no, no, I wanted to be a scientist. I was obsessed with honestly space. I think a lot of people want to be an astronaut when they're- like five, I wanted to be an astronaut for a insanely long time, way beyond the point it was cute. <laughs> it was like somebody tell this guy, <laughs> I'm oh, not yeah, gonna make it. Come back down to earth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I was obsessed. I would go see um, like there's these telescopes that surround uh, the San Francisco area, and I would talk my my grandma. Actually, she would take me. She's the only one that That's would so take cool. me up there, and, and I would so cool. go. Like just, I was obsessed with space and still sort of am. So yeah, yeah but not going to be an astronaut. <laughs> nah.
1: Just uh, maybe an astronaut of hotel operations, right? <laughs> I love it. So now not knowing who I'm going to have after the, after you on the show, which is again, a rare occasion to do this in person, but not knowing anything about them and who they are, and what they do, what part of the industry they're in. What's the question you want to give them to answer on the episode?
0: My question is, what's giving you life? What has made you laugh recently? I think life mm-hmm. is too short to uh, to not laugh and and have yeah. fun doing whatever you're doing. So I'd be yeah. curious about like what's what's lighting people up.
1: I love it. I love it. Well, another famous question I always ask is, where can anyone who's watching, who's listening, that wants to get in touch with you, who's enjoyed this conversation? Also, I will make sure Hospitality Daily HotelOperations.com is included in the show notes. We have everything ready for. The description so listeners viewers connect with josiah please like he's given us much love so give him much love back but where can people find you like what's the number one space for you
0: uh, i appreciate it. I would, i'd say linkedin i love linkedin i'm just like that's just uh I, f- I feel like it's a great way to stay in touch with what people are up to so i would yeah. love to connect with anybody there and and uh yeah learn about what you're up to you're
1: the first person i think to say linkedin I, i'm so thankful because i always say linkedin on other shows i'm like get me on linkedin i don't yeah. care about Instagram. so yeah no I love it well you heard it here first Slick Talkers if you haven't already grab the show notes make sure you like and subscribe to everything Josiah is doing from hotel operations to hospitality daily give him the love and support he's given us and we will see you all again next week thank you so much for listening and thank you to our show partners for making Slick Talk the hospitality podcast possible We hope you enjoy the show and we would love to connect with you outside of the podcast. So you can follow us on all of our social media channels for daily hospitality content, or find us on SlickTalkThePodcast.com. And don't forget to rate review and subscribe. So you never miss an episode. I'm your host, Will Slickers, and we will see you guys all again next week.